listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. It always blows my mind. It always blows my mind when people in the body of Christ, not sinners, Christians, push back against the message of divine healing. I'm always, it like, I can't even wrap my mind around it. It's, it, it, it's, it's beyond description, in my opinion. And, um, hey, Caleb, um, I see um, Eric and Angie and family are on the road on the way to Overflow. Good morning. Love you, Lucy. Love you, Britt. Just even in this last week, you know, we put out, you know, what was it? Maybe a week ago, we put a reel out on Instagram uh, about healing. It was from a service we did at Miracle Word Church um, on your covenant right of divine healing. And um, I preached that healings for you, Jesus' blood provided healing, took stripes upon his back. I preached on healing in the New Testament. It's always God's will to heal. We took just a small portion of it, uh, talking about the fact that Jesus always healed those that came to him in faith, and uh, God is not sovereignly picking and choosing who he will and won't heal. It's based upon people who receive his promise through faith. And um, you would not believe the comments that come through on on a reel like that on Instagram. I mean, maybe you would believe it, but you wouldn't believe the comments, and not from sinners. You know, it's, it's crazy. Sinners don't have an issue with you as a Christian saying, you know, God heals people. And they're like, oh, great. You know, <laughs> but it's like, then there's Christians who push back. Morning, John. They push back and uh, it's like there was like a second wind for the real. Like it caught a second algorithm and just started putting it in front of everybody's eyes. And uh, people are like appalled that we would preach healing. When it's something that's all through the Bible. It's not just in the New Testament. God was healing people in the Old Testament. But then Jesus came and a major part of his ministry was healing the sick. A major part of his ministry was healing the sick. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, and you can write that in your notes today. um, And I'm going to give you today five Bible ways to obtain divine healing. If you're believing for healing or if you're believing for someone to be healed, there are five Bible ways to obtain healing. Um, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for the Lord was with him. So you understand Jesus went around doing the work of the Father. He wasn't doing, uh, you know, some rogue work. He's like, well, I know my father doesn't want everybody healed, but I'm going to heal him anyway. No, he was doing God's work. That's why he said he went around doing good. The Bible's very clear. Jesus did nothing on the earth unless he saw his father do it. He said, I can say nothing unless I hear my father say it. So Jesus was never operating um, in rebellion to the will of his father. He was always right in the middle of obedience, right in the middle of his father's will on the earth. 
And when you see Jesus healing people, that is God's will in heaven. Now, think of this. And people tried to push back on this. There's no way. No one could provide me a scriptural reference. They said, well, Jesus didn't heal everybody. You need to read your Bible again. Okay, show me one place in the New Testament where Jesus refused to heal people. Show me one place. There are no places where people came to Jesus. Would you heal us? We're sick. Would you make us whole? No, I'm not making you whole. I've made the others whole, but not you. Not one place. Not one place in the Gospels. You'll find that. Not one place. Every person that approached Jesus by faith, he healed them. In fact, the only thing, if you study your scripture, the only thing that uh, caused his supernatural power to be short-circuited and not be able to work was people's unbelief. And we see that clearly in Mark chapter 6. Clearly. He went back to his own hometown, but could do no mighty work there except laying his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled at their unbelief. Marveled. Did he go back wanting to do mighty works? Yes. But could he? No. You know what's interesting? He, uh, that's funny. <laughs> Shane says, uh, T.J. McCrossin said about divine healing, he made it clear that they're either not a scholar or they're lying because healing is a part of what Jesus did and there's no way around it. There's no question about it. No question about it. Um, you know what's interesting? The Bible does not say in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, it didn't say he went back to his own hometown and he would do there no mighty work. It doesn't say that he chose not to. It doesn't say that he would not do it. It says, and he could do there no mighty work. He couldn't do it. Shows you he wanted to and could not do it. And that's why he was blown away at their unbelief. You say, how do you, how do you know? Because you, the reason you know is that he still was able to find the few people in the crowd who had faith and he healed them. But for the majority, for the crowd, he couldn't do any mighty works for them because of their unbelief. Unbelief is a killer. Unbelief is a killer. And the Bible teaches us that plainly. In James chapter 1, which I read to you often, the Bible says that when somebody's asking God for something, that they have to ask in faith with no doubting. He that doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And then what does the Bible say? That person is a double-minded man, unstable in all their ways, and that type of person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Not anything. Not one thing. And so, you understand that if you're going to receive anything from God, if you're going to receive anything from God, then you have to receive it by faith. And if you refuse to walk in faith, or if you're in double-mindedness, it keeps you from the manifestations of God's power and presence. And I love how people always try to make you feel bad by, uh, you know, saying something to you about somebody's situation. Imagine saying that to somebody whose ch child is dying of cancer. I'm not saying it to anybody. I'm telling you this is what the Bible teaches. Imagine telling somebody that their child is dying of cancer that they haven't received their healing because they don't have enough faith. I'm telling you what the Bible teaches, biblical principles. 
I didn't write the Bible. I'm just telling you what it already says. <laughs> they couldn't receive miracles from Jesus because of their unbelief. Unbelief keeps people from receiving anything from the Lord, the Bible says. Anything. Now, unbelief is not the only reason you can't receive from God. There are other things that keep you from receiving from God, like not walking in love. Faith works by love. If you're not walking in love, you're not walking in faith. God is love. You're outside of God if you're outside of love. Sin will keep you from receiving God's uh, manifestations and power in your life. So there's more, multiple things, not just a lack of faith. But I want to give you five Bible ways to obtain your healing. If you're believing for healing for yourself, for somebody else, I'll show you. And it, it's amazing to me how you listen to people talk like that. No, and you say, be careful. God is sovereign and God does sovereignly pick and choose. Okay, so what do you say about a God who sees people that are sick and leaves them in their dying situation, though he's all powerful, no, he, what is he, a child abuser? Is he a child abuser? No, he gets more glory, brother. You don't, we don't know till heaven, but he's gaining glory from his actions. Okay, what glory? That he has power and he doesn't use it? Or is the onus on us to receive what he's already done? And then people come back. You'll get this same question. People will come back. Well, if you really believe like that, how come you don't go to the hospital? And Because that's not how it functions. It doesn't function like that. Why don't you just go to the hospital and heal everybody you see? Jesus couldn't heal everybody he saw. Think about that. People always have that argument. Well, if you believe that, then why don't you just go empty out the children's hospital? Why don't you go empty out your local hospital? Because even Jesus couldn't and didn't do that. Because that's not how it functions. That's not how it works. Doesn't work that way. Jesus went to a whole crowd of people that he wanted to do mighty works for and couldn't do any there. Why? Because of their unbelief. It's not about just going into a place and clearing it out. It's about who believes the word of the Lord. Whose report are you going to believe? And so I'm mind blown that people don't understand simple concepts. And these are people with, I look at their profiles. Right. I look at their profiles. MDiv from such and such seminary. Well, there's your problem right there. You went and let some dead guys teach you what the Bible says. Well, you know, we don't believe that. I, I know you don't. And you have no manifestations in your life either. You have no power of God functioning in your ministry either. Okay, if you want to just go by people being saved, because, I mean, that's a big deal. Okay, well, we, we believe the gospel and the gospel. You preach that prosperity gospel. We believe the actual gospel that brings people to Jesus. All right, let's compare, let's compare our results then. Let's see who has more people saved in their ministry, you with the deadness of your seminary or me operating in the power of God or any minister that's operating in the power of God because I can tell you who's going to have more people saved because it's the power of God at work that draws people to Jesus the gospel is the power of God unto salvation Paul said you're not even fully done preaching the gospel until you've demonstrated it that's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 when I came to you, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom, with the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Why do you think that miracles were taking place? To demonstrate the gospel. It still demonstrates the gospel today. When people are healed, when people are delivered, when people are set free, it still demonstrates the gospel today. 
you know, and if they can, here's the funny thing. If they can't convince you, well, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. That died off with the last apostle, with the establishing of the Christian church, the completion of the canon. That stuff doesn't happen anymore. Okay. And then you show the miracle testimonies people have. Those testimonies are fake. Okay. There's not, with people with unbelief, there's nothing you can do to make them believe. There's nothing you can do. You can show them in the Bible where there's nowhere cessationism, that the Holy Spirit never ceased doing the work that he's doing. He's still doing it today. Cessationism is one of the weakest biblical arguments anybody could put forth. The Holy Spirit doesn't function like that anymore. Show me that in the Bible. You have such a high uh, um, regard for God's word, not higher than me apparently. You know, the reason we don't believe those things, we actually put God's word in a, in a high regard. Okay, not higher, than, not higher than the pedestal I put it on because I don't do anything I don't find in the Bible. I don't see any place in the New Testament that tells us the Holy Spirit ceased in what he was doing or will cease in what he's doing. When we get to heaven, yes, tongues will cease. We won't need speaking in tongues in heaven. You know, prophecies will cease. Yes, we won't need prophecies in heaven. But not on the earth. People that interpret 1 Corinthians 13 to mean after the last apostle died and when the church was established are fools. They're absolute fools. The Bible doesn't say that. And they're full of unbelief because they've been taught by people who have unbelief. And they interpret the word poorly, very poorly. Hermeneutical infants. That's what they are. Hermeneutical infants. They don't, they don't understand the Bible. So they'll, they'll keep telling you. And even when you show people genuine testimonies, I had cancer, God healed me. I had a tumor, God. Or, or if they don't say that's not real, then they'll say, well, God, that's because God sovereignly chose to heal you, but he's not doing that, that for everybody. All right, which one is it? He's healing or he's not healing? Is he still healing today? Because if he's still healing today, then why would he leave some of his children sick? Or do we put the onus on ourselves and realize that God's already done the work, Jesus already paid the price, and all we have to do is receive it? And I'm going to give you today five ways from the Bible that you can receive it. Five ways we see people receiving it in the Bible. Still functions that way today. Still functions that way today. I'll start with the, um, the more fringe ways that you see that are not as common in the Bible, and then we'll move on to the most common ways. Praise God, Beverly, given her testimony of healing in the comments. Fasting gave me a miracle. Blood test result, blood sugar A1C went from 7.8 to 7.1 in 10 days. Not on diabetic medication. Cholesterol is almost normal, but foot neuropathy is still lingering. We're believing for the total miracle, Beverly. And I'm continuing to pray for you. Neuropathy is leaving in Jesus' name. The first thing, and, and th these aren't in order of how they're found in Scripture. I'm just going to kind of give you from things that are less common that we see in Scripture to that that's more common. Number one, uh, the anointing is a tangible force. It's a tangible force. And in the Scripture, that tangible force of the anointing could get into things, could get into things. One of the things that it could get into, we see it clearly in Scripture, was cloth, which is why we believe in prayer cloths. We still believe in that. If God could do it then, he could do it now. And that's what happened with the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19. Now, I will reiterate, this is not the primary way to receive healing. 
in the New Testament. This is not the primary way, but it is a way. I, we've seen many people healed by doing the exact same thing Paul did. Acts 19 and verse 11. Acts 19, 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, verse 12, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. So a prayer cloth, a prayer cloth. So, Obina makes a, a point here in the comments. Pastor Ted, I have a question. Is it right to say that Christ technically told the Canaanite woman no? However, her faith and persistence in Jesus caused her healing to occur. So, here's the answer to that. Remember what Jesus said. If you're referring to the Syrophoenician woman. He said, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Why is that? Because Jesus was sent to the Jews. Jesus' mission, he was sent to the Jews. And so he said, it's not right for me to take the children's bread. The children he's referring to are the Jews. It's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. What was the term dog in that context? The Gentiles, people that were not Jews. But she said, truth, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs that come from the master's table. So her faith, what was my original statement and comment? Anyone that approached Jesus in faith, he healed them. So her, as you said, Oben, her faith in Christ and his healing ability provoked a miracle for her daughter. Provoked a miracle for her daughter. Though it wasn't even for her, she got it. Look at the... Um, Look at the centurion that sent people to Jesus. He had a servant at home. He was not one of Jesus' children. He was not in the Jewish community. He was a dog. He was a Gentile. Jesus said, but I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. So even the centurion, who was an Italian Roman soldier, who was not a Jew, got the miracle for his servant because of his faith. And the point remains, anyone that approached Jesus in faith received their healing or their miracle. Everyone. Cornelius' household, they were the first uh, Gentiles to get the gospel. First ones. But they had faith. You know why? Cornelius was already doing stuff for the kingdom of God before he was converted. Anyone that approached Jesus by faith, Jesus was stating his, pur his purpose, Obina. It's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. He was sent to the house of Israel. The Bible tells us very clearly. So prayer cloths, the Bible says handkerchiefs and aprons were taking, taken from the Apostle Paul and when they were placed on the sick or the demon-possessed, they were healed and delivered of demons. The power of God can get into cloth even. So powerful that the woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd, said, if I can just touch his garment. Jesus didn't lay hands on her. Jesus didn't speak a word over her or anoint her with oil. She just touched his robe. The anointing of the Holy Ghost was even in his clothes. It's a tangible substance. The anointing of God, the person of God, he's a person, got even into Jesus' clothes. It was on Elisha's bones. Think about that. The anointing of God was on Elisha's bones. They threw a dead soldier onto his bones and he lived again. Resurrection power was residing in Elisha's bones. 
The anointing's a tangible substance. It got into the prayer cloths uh, or the aprons and handkerchiefs that were taken from Paul, got into Jesus' garment more than one time, by the way. There were other passages in the Gospels that when the crowd touched his garment, touched his robes, they were made whole. Got into Peter's shadow. They laid the sick and diseased along the road, and Peter walked as the sun was high in the sky. Peter walked across, and his shadow fell upon them, and everybody his shadow fell upon were healed. The anointing of God got in his shadow. <laughs> the power of God got in a prayer cloth, a handkerchief, Jesus' robe, a shadow. It was in Jesus' spit. It is a tangible substance. It's a force from heaven. The anointing of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And so we've seen many, many people just like this, just like this. We're not, this is not some man-made thing. It's in the Bible. We see it. We see it as an example in the narrative, in Jesus' narrative, in Paul's narrative, prayer cloths. And we can still use that same faith today. Now, as I said, one caveat, it's not the primary way that we receive healing from God, but it is a way. Because there's a difference between seeing something happen in narrative and being commanded to do something through the didactic teaching of the apostles or Jesus Christ. If you see teaching, specific teaching and commands in scripture, the teaching always takes precedent over the narrative. Let me say that again for anybody that maybe you haven't taken Bible study made simple with us. And so you've not gone through these classes, but if you're understanding how to interpret the Bible, if you have teaching about something, it always takes precedent over the narrative, what you may see in the narrative of scripture. Yes. So even, so think of this, even what the, the apostle Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 14 about speaking in tongues takes precedent over what you see happening with Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Because you can look at Acts chapter 2 and look at the narrative. That's not teaching about the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues. That's just a story. It's narrative. It's showing you what happened historically. But the teaching Paul did in 1 Corinthians 14 takes precedent over Acts chapter 2. We derive things that we know about speaking in tongues from what Paul taught, not from what we saw in Acts chapter 2. For example, if all you had was Acts chapter 2, you may say, well, speaking in tongues is just the ability to speak foreign languages. Well, no, not if you read what Paul actually taught about speaking in tongues. He said, whoever speaks in tongues is speaking mysteries in the spirit and no man can understand them. Paul said that. 1 Corinthians 14. So if you look at what Paul taught about speaking in tongues versus what you may think or observe or derive from Acts chapter 2, you may look and say, well, yeah, it's the Bible teaches us that speaking in tongues is the ability to speak a foreign language. No, that's not what Paul taught at all. It's not what Paul taught at all. He said someone speaks mysteries in the spirit and no man can understand it because you're speaking directly to God and not to men. So anytime you see teaching about a subject in the scripture, it always trumps what you see in the narrative or in the story of the Bible. And so that's why I say um, prayer cloths and these types of things, they're not the primary way in the New Testament to receive healing. We're actually never commanded to use a prayer cloth. We can see it. We can have faith to do the same, but we're not commanded ever to, to use prayer cloths. There's other ways that we are commanded to operate in healing and divine healing, and I'll get to those. So that's number one, through prayer cloths. Let me say this. Another way 
that we can see healing released in uh, the New Testament and in the Old is through the spoken word. That's number two. Put it in. The spoken word. The spoken word. This is, this is how Jesus operated. This is how the apostles operated in certain situations. Jesus did as well. Um, prophets in the Old Testament did as well. Number two is the spoken word. That's the highest level of faith, right? Look at this. We have it on our cups. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. We see this happening in Jesus' ministry. We see it happening in, in the disciples. Old Testament prophets would speak. Things would change. But think about this. Jesus has the, the centurion servant approach him, and, he's, and actually he sent servants to come to Jesus and ask for him, if you read the, the account in the Gospel of Luke. But he says, you don't have to come under my house. You don't have to come to under my roof or to my house to lay hands on my servant. Just speak the word only. Put that in the comments today. Speak the word only. He said, speak the word only and my servant shall be made whole. Speak the word only. So the spoken word. You know our, our theme verse of this ministry, Psalm 107 and verse 20. He sent his word and it healed them. His spoken word. He sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. His word. And so the spoken word, Jesus used it. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man got up. Right? Rise, take up your bed and walk. Spoke a word to the centurion's servant. And all those miles away, he was instantly healed. He received from that hour, he was made whole. Didn't take three days, 10 days. From that hour, he was made whole. By what? Speaking the word only. A spoken word. You can speak the word of God. You don't have to speak it just over somebody else. You can speak it over yourself. Speak it over yourself on a daily basis. I'm the healed of God. Resurrection power flows through my body. It's making me whole right now, quickening my physical body. My organs right now are receiving a touch from the Holy Ghost. Right now, my brain, my blood, my feet are receiving a touch from the Holy Ghost. God's healing me right now. I'm receiving healing virtue through my body. Speak it over yourself. You don't have to just speak it over someone else. And so the spoken word, very powerful. The spoken word. What are we speaking? The word. <laughs> We're speaking the word of God. You quote the word. You can speak the word. You see it throughout scripture. Old and New Testament. There's power in the spoken word. There's power. That is the highest level of faith. Faith in the spoken word. Amen. Spoken word. I was in a service one time. We were in Bible school. And the one who was speaking said, and we were in a big service. He said, um, there's people in here all through the sanctuary you, you, that you have, you have tumors in your body. And he said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to speak a word to you. If you'll get out of your seat and if you'll run down to this altar, and he drew a line in the carpet with his dress shoe. He said, before you cross this line, you'll receive your healing. And I mean like 40 people jumped out of their seat and took off running toward the front. And before they crossed that line, 
Every one of them checked themselves, checked their bodies, and the tumors were gone. Every one of them. Oh, that's fake, brother. He, he paid those people. No. No. Healed. By what? A spoken word. A spoken word that had an action of faith attached to it. Speak the word only. So we can receive it through the spoken word. What we're doing right now, fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer allow us to receive one of the benefits, healing in our bodies. And I don't just mean natural healing. Well, there, brother, there's natural benefits to fasting. I know there are. I wrote a book on it. But I'm talking about supernatural healing. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 and verse 6, is this not the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor uh, into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to hide yourself from your own, not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Verse 8, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You'll call, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry, and he'll say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst and pointing the finger and speaking wickedness. Notice that. And your healing shall spring forth speedily. When you do what the Lord wants, and when you press in with fasting, when you press in with prayer, your healing will spring forth speedily. Your healing. What are you doing? You're limiting the flesh, subduing it, bringing it in the line, and you're seeking the face of God. One of the rewards, now think about this, as we're praying, as we're fasting, what is taking place? That is a sign to God of diligent seeking. We are seeking him diligently, going after him with everything we've got. And what does the Bible say in Hebrews eleven six? The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those that come to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. One translation, who diligently seek him. So what does that mean? The more he sees people diligently seeking him, the more he rewards them. One of the rewards that comes from heaven is divine healing. Amen. And you can provoke healing. You can receive the promise of healing as you seek God in fasting and prayer. You can provoke God's power, receive God's reward through fasting and prayer. No question. So one of the things I'm, and you can see Beverly's testimony in the comments. One of the things I'm telling you is that you need to expect divine healing as we're fasting and praying. What's today? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We got four full days of fasting left. Press in and receive your healing during this time of fasting and prayer, receive it. Don't say, Lord, I refuse to continue on through the rest of this year the same way I started. I'm receiving my healing in Jesus' name. I will receive my healing by the power of the Holy Ghost. Begin to thank him every day. Begin to praise him every day. Thank you, Lord. I praise you that healing virtue is flowing through my body in Jesus' name. Healing virtue and power flowing through my body. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So fasting and prayer. Now let's give uh, two ways here. Two more ways that are full of power, just like the others, 
And then I'll give you the primary way. I'll give you that, that last. But here's something that can happen to you and for you is that you can receive healing in your body through the written word of God, through the scripture. And I want you to put that in your notes, put it in the comments. Number four, I can receive healing through the written word of God, through the written word of God. The word itself carries healing. This word is a healing word. Hallelujah. This word is a healing word. I'm in Proverbs chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse 20 and I'll read through 22. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, be attentive to my words. To what? To my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Let them uh, keep them within your heart. Why? Verse 22. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. They are life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. Hmm. What is? The words. The words. Keep them in your heart. Don't let them escape from your sight. Well, how would you not let words escape from your sight? How can you see words? By writing them down. I can't see spoken words. I can see written words. So how would I uh, let his words not escape from my sight? By looking at the written word, keeping them in my heart because they're life to those that find them, verse 22, and healing to their flesh. Healing to their flesh. Hallelujah. It's life and health. Life and health. Thank you, Jesus. You can read this word. Literally, as you either hear the word read, just like Joel, Joel Osteen's mother did, or as you read it yourself, there's power in that word that will get into your body and make you whole. The written word of God. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word is life. Get that. God's word is life. It, do, it doesn't just carry life. It's not like it's in, you know, it's imbued with life. No, no, it is life. God's word is life. Every word of scripture was breathed out of God's mouth. No question. No question. No man just decided to write it. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Every writer of scripture was inspired to write what he wrote by God. Came right out of God's mouth. He breathed it out, the Bible says. And the word of God, it's not filled with life. It is life. These words are not natural words. These are spirit. These are spirit. These are life. The breath of God is the Holy Spirit. The breath of God is the Holy Spirit. This was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Bible says so. Claims that about itself. Came out of God's mouth 
got into the writers, got onto the page. And now what we hold in our hands, it is spirit and it is life. It's not just the things Jesus said. You know, one of the dumbest things I hear uh, pastors and preachers say, well, brother, we focus on the red letters because that's what's truly important is the things Jesus said. No, no, no. That shows you don't understand the doctrine of Scripture. You don't understand it because all Scripture was inspired by God. All Scripture is God speaking, all of it, Genesis to Revelation. All Scripture is God speaking. It's not just the red letters of what Jesus said. They didn't come out of Jesus' mouth red and go on the paper red. Somebody just at some point in Bible publishing decided to make Jesus' words red on paper so you could distinguish them from every other word. But all Scripture. Now, I heard a preacher say this, and he was a seasoned preacher, and I thought this is one of the most ignorant things anybody could say. He said the words Paul wrote are not as important as the words Jesus wrote. Now, this, this, he didn't just say it flippantly one time. He published it in a book, published it in a book that the words that Paul wrote are not as important as the words Jesus wrote. Jesus' words take precedent over Paul's words. Only if you believe Paul was writing his own thoughts. Only if you believe that the words on paper were just Paul's own desires. But when you recognize, let, let me tell you something important. This is very important. When you recognize that what, what Paul recognized, what Peter recognized, did you know Paul and Peter both knew they were giving God's inspired word to the church? They referred to their writing as God's word. They said, don't like take my, take our letters for what you know they are God's word. They said that in their own letters. Peter referred to Paul's letters as scripture. Paul referred to his own letters as God's word. They knew what they were getting. They knew it wasn't them sitting down and deciding to write a letter to the Ephesians. What's up, Ephesians? They knew they weren't just writing random letters to churches. They knew that they were getting God's word. They knew they were writing God's word, and they instructed the churches, treat it like God's word. Treat it. Paul told the Galatians, if there's anyone else, including me, if I come back to you later and teach you something different than what I gave to you, let me be cursed, let the other people be cursed. Even if it's an angel, let the angel be cursed. That's how much he knew that what he was giving the churches was God's holy word. They knew it. You hear these dummies talk like, well, they didn't, nobody decided that these letters were God's word until 300 years later at a council somewhere. No, they didn't. They knew back then. The writers knew, the churches knew they were getting God's word. It's spirit and it's life. It is spirit and it is life. All of God's word is God's word. To say Jesus' words are greater than Paul's words or Peter's words shows that you don't believe that all the words came out of God's mouth. <laughs> so when I hear people do series, you know, we're doing the red letters. You know, we just focus on the red letters. It shows you're foolish. You don't know the doctrine of Scripture. Because you can just you can get just as healed reading the epistles as you can get healed reading the Gospels. It'll impact your life. The power of the Holy Ghost that's on the written Word of God will impact your life. You understand, this Word carries power. Joel Osteen's mother just put it on on tape, 
listen to it and healed her body. I'll listen to it as I walk my neighborhood and let the word, the written word go into my spirit. I'll turn on the Bible app, put my earbuds in and just let the Bible play and I'll listen to the word of God as I'm walking because the word carries life and carries power, carries anointing. The word gets into you and as it gets into you, according to Proverbs 4, it's life to those that find it, it's healing to their flesh. It's healing to their flesh. That's supernatural. It's healing to their flesh. And then let me, let me give you this last one. Now this, I would consider to be the primary method of healing in the New Testament for believers. The primary method. And that is through the laying on of hands and sometimes with the addition of anointing with oil. That seems to be the primary method of receiving healing in the New Testament. The laying on of hands and sometimes with the addition of anointing with oil. It is the way that believers were commanded to heal the sick. Right? We know what the, what the uh, if you go to the gospel of Mark chapter 16, you read the Great Commission, it seems to be the assumption for how people would heal the sick. Go with me to Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They'll lay their hands on the sick. It was an expectation. When people get saved, they'll be empowered, and they'll lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That seems to be the primary method. It didn't say they'll give out prayer cloths. It didn't say that they will uh, simply speak the word, Those are, though these are things we see in the Bible. It said they'll lay their hands on the sick. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Seems to be the primary expectation for New Testament believers. Well, we go on now to the book of James. And in the book of James chapter 5, we now see it not just as a narrative or an expectation in the future. Now we see it as an actual command. Here's an actual command to the church. I'll start in verse 13. James 5, 13 is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? What should we do? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he committed sins, they'll be forgiven. So here it is, that the elders of the church can lay their hands on you and anoint you with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. <laughs> Gabriel said, I saw a guy selling it. Unbelievable. Buying the dust from the tomb of Jesus to receive your healing. <laughs> 
Look at that. The elders of the church will pray over him, anointing him with oil. In the name of the Lord, the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So there's a method that seems to be the primary method in the New Testament. And did you know through this method, it's not just healing you can receive. Peter and John ended up in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. And did you know the Bible says all of those believers received the baptism of the Holy Ghost when Peter and John laid hands upon them. So there's more that can be transferred than just healing. Apparently, the baptism of the Holy Spirit can be transferred through the laying on of hands. Acts chapter 8 is what happened. Deliverance can come. So it's not just, because remember something, these aren't separate things. The same anointing, the same Holy Spirit who will bring healing into your body is the same Holy Spirit that you're baptized with. It's the same Holy Spirit that brings deliverance to the captive. It's the same Holy Spirit that sets people free of depression and anxiety. All those things. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's not a different spirit for healing and then a different spirit for deliverance and a different spirit. No. It's all the Holy Spirit. You say, what is the anointing? The anointing is the Holy Ghost. He is the anointing. It's a person. It's not just a feeling. <laughs> it's not a dove. It's not gold dust for sure. It's the Holy Spirit. He is the anointing of God. He is the anointing of God. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. What did Jesus say at the end of the book of Luke? Tarry in Jerusalem till you be filled with power from on high. So the Holy Ghost is the spirit of power. Jesus taught that. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of power. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are filled with power from on high. That's the end of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus' instructions. Go wait in Jerusalem. Don't do any ministry. Don't preach. Don't travel. Don't No, stay there until you receive power from on high. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus didn't receive power until after the Holy Ghost came upon him. The power to do the work is in the person of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. Yes. So the whole, I want you to put it in the comments. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of power. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of power. And so the laying on of hands, sometimes with the anointing of oil, is the primary method in the New Testament church of how we release and receive healing, divine healing. But notice the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith, the spoken word. You can pray. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you'll receive them, you shall have them. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you, John 15, 7. And I just previously quoted to you Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. So there's a way to, through the power of prayer, as I said, prayer and fasting, there's a way through the prayer of faith to receive your healing. And that's what I'm going to do here at the end of this broadcast today, is that maybe you're watching me, you've been fasting, you've been praying, you're believing for healing in your body. You're believing for a miracle. I'm going to pray and ask God to touch you today. And ask God that through the, I, I can't lay hands on you through the camera, 
I can't give you a prayer cloth. I can't anoint you with oil, but I can pray the prayer of faith, knowing that the prayer of faith will save the sick, the Lord will raise them up, knowing that whatsoever things we desire when we pray, believe we'll receive them, we shall have them, knowing whatsoever that if you abide in him and his word abides in you, while I abide in him, his word abides in me, I can ask whatever I will and it shall be done for me. So I'm joining my faith with you. And we're going to pray and believe God for supernatural healing in your body. Believing God, I see it in the comments. I'm tired of medication. I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired. I understand. The Lord, it's not, it's not God's plan for your life. Jesus purchased your healing. So I want you to join your faith with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm praying for every man and every woman that's watching this that's been battling with sickness in their body, diseases battling things that have come against them, tumors in their body, issues in their blood, whatever it might be. And today I take authority over every foul attack of the devil over your life. I command it to loose its grip today and let you go. I join my faith with yours. And we agree right now, divine healing virtue flows through your body. The same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead is dwelling in you. And right now you are being quickened by that Holy Spirit power. I thank you, Lord, that right now you're doing a work in them that no doctor can do, that no surgery could accomplish. Do it from your power, Lord, your spirit, and take all the glory. Take all the praise for the things you're doing. Take all the glory. Take all the honor because you're the only one that can do what you're about to do. You're a supernatural God. You have power. You have all power in your hand, and you've delegated that power to us through the Holy Spirit. And so today, we take authority through that power over sickness and disease, commanded to loose its grip and let go. Lord, today I join my faith with Beverly. I command that neuropathy to go out of her feet, the pain, the numbness, the throbbing. Go in Jesus' name. Be made whole. Be made whole. Lord, for those that are just tired of constantly having to be on medication and it's checkup after checkup and issue after issue and problem after problem. Lord, bring those things to a quick end today in the name of Jesus Christ. Let healing flow through their body. And Father, let take all the praise, take all the glory for what you're doing. We thank you ahead of time. We praise you ahead of time for the goodness and mercy that you've bestowed upon us. Thank you for every miracle. Thank you for every transformation, every turnaround, every breakthrough. You get all the praise. You get all the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you and we give you honor. And if you believe that, somebody shout amen, throw some hands up, throw some fire up in the comments. If you receive that today, somebody say amen. That word amen simply means so be it unto me. So be it unto me. That means you receive it. Hallelujah. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.